Thanks again to everyone supporting us on the podcast through Patreon. Patreon allows our listeners an opportunity to contribute to the podcast and allow us to bring you great guests and content each week. Thank you to all of our patrons and a special shout out to Jonathan Lambert for being our largest donor. You too can become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash mentors, the number four M-I-L. This podcast is sponsored by Uncana, trusted natural solutions. Uncana is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran owned and operated, the Uncana team is actively fighting for DOD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag OpNatural. Uncana is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code mentors the number four MIL at checkout at uncana.com to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military disclaimer at mentorsformilitary.com slash disclaimer. Mentors for Military Podcast. I see a lot of young kids, they think that combat is one of those things that they are playing on a video game, that they look forward to being able to participate in because they see these idols, these guys are rangers and seals and, you know, green berets that, you know, are kicking in doors and talking about the good days, that that's something now they want to go and experience. Now, we need a lot of great, bright 18-year-olds kicking in, you know, joining the, the military and everything. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know that we're setting the right message. And I'm curious to, as to what you guys think about that. Well, I do think that uh, when you are in that phase of your life, that it should feel like the most exciting, awesome endeavor you've ever partaken in. You know, like I know for me, I joined the regiment and, 99 so there there was no combat operations going on and i was i was actually in ranger school on 9 11 and so yeah my last day of ranger school was 9 11 it was kind of crazy that's motivation yeah Yeah. we were down in uh you know eglin air force base and they called the cadre called us into the auditorium they're like hey we need to talk to you about something and we saw the plane hit the second tower so we knew at that point in time we were going to combat And also for a bunch of young rangers, I mean, young rangers train to go to combat. That's what we want to do. Sure. So then when we were attacked, it was just everyone was chomping at the bit to get some, you know. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, a a lot of times you see people that want to kind of frown upon the the, the fact that our rangers and our marines are out there killing bad guys and and having a good time. But the, the reality of it is it should be a good time. You know, we're, we're out there. You can't go do something for months and months at a time and uh, not find a way to enjoy that. And, and the other side of it is these are the enemies of our country, and we're trained to meet these guys on the field of battle. We should be excited for that. That should be something that we aspire to do, you know? What do you think, though, about those individuals that I'm talking about that have exited the service and still trying to live in those glory days well, no, I mean, we, we touched on that quite a bit last time. And I think uh, for me personally, 
I feel like once you've decided to move past that, that's exactly what you need to do. Move past that. And I never want to be that veteran with like, you know, walking around in civilians with all my ribbons on and, uh, you know, telling everybody, oh, back in 2004. Your pin, hat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) To me, that doesn't make much sense because I think what that does is it kind of keeps us in that bubble and it prevents a lot of guys from moving on to the next journey and embracing the the next phase of their life. So I I think that's very dangerous. I, I think that it can lead people to being stuck in the past. And once you're stuck in the past, I think that's a lot of, uh, contributing factors to people feeling depressed or feeling like they're not worth it worthy or a lot of the things that lead veterans down toxic paths yeah and as far as the young people don't get me wrong now i i was out there um in especially in my recruiting time i definitely wanted to get the young people but what i what i was referring to more is individuals that may um, have a distorted view as to what they're walking into and you know more like there's a reality check that's about ready to happen I think it's a recruitment tool. Um, you're not going to get people to join any any service by telling them, you know, you're probably going to get messed up mentally and you're going to lose your family and you're going to be deployed all the time and it's going to suck a lot. And when you get out, you're going to be really messed up. Um, you know, it's a motivational thing. Look at the Marines commercials. Look at all the Army commercials. They're always shooting and all the cool vehicles and they're flying overhead and everybody's in line. It still gets me and- motivated. Yeah, and me too. And, I, and I'm like, look at that. They're not shooting at anybody. You don't see them hitting anything, and none of them are getting hit. Yeah. And everybody's in line. The helicopters are flying overhead, which is tactically stupid. But it's awesome. <laughs> it's motivating, and it looks good, and that's what gets them in. I think where we drop the ball is, is what you said when guys get out. They, they, they live those glory days or they don't tell the truth. I mean, recruiters and kids, they're going to do their job. Kids don't believe you. They, they see the cool stuff, and they want the cool stuff. That's what I did. I wanted all the cool stuff. When you showed me cool stuff, I went for it. I did it. Um, the next cool thing, I went for that too, did it. And uh, that's what kept me going. But when you get out to tell the young kids, because when they ask me now, um, they hit me up on social media. You know, I'm going to go for USASOC and try this out. What do you think? I said, well, don't get married because you're never going to see them. You know, and they asked me, should I go officer, NCO? I want to kick doors. I said, if you're an officer, you're going to make more money. You're going to have a better life and an education when you get out. If you want to kick doors, I wouldn't do that. But if you kick doors, you're going to break your body down to nothing. You're going to lose half your families or all your family, and then you're going to get out, and you're going to wonder what happened. I mean, I tell them the truth because they've already decided. You're not going to talk them out of it, so I'm going to give them the truth. Like, hey, you're going to, you're going to get screwed up. You're going to be deployed all the time somewhere doing God knows what, and you're not going to come home the same. So, And I think it's important for people, like you touched on, Tom, like – being a soldier, especially uh, in the special operations community where your op tempo is just go, 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 it's not very conducive to family life. You know, I left my last deployment. I found out that my wife was pregnant with our first daughter. And, you know, we had that talk and she's like, we have to put this behind us because I can't do this alone, you know. And, uh, you know, it's pretty admirable that some guys do do that. But more often than not, it doesn't lead to good things within their family. So I think it's a natural progression. You know, we touched on it last time. I think war is a young man's game and a young man's sport and uh, have fun with it and do it while you can. But at some point in time, especially if you do want to get married and raise children, the healthy way to raise a family is you have to be there. There's no two ways about it. And 
you know, I was deployed with guys. We were gone nine months out of the year and their kids are back home. And not, I didn't have kids at the time. So it didn't have the, it didn't have the impact on me that it would now. But now that I have three young kids, I look back on that and I can't imagine how they made that work. Yeah. 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 The regular, you know, the, the conventional army and military, they, they go for what a year, maybe a year and a half to get kicked it further and further. I don't even know how they do that. Just 90 days, um, deployed and being as active and then coming back for say, you know, 180 days and then go back again for another 90 that, that kicks your butt. And that's almost, almost more difficult. Well, I don't know the other way, but it seems more difficult than to just be gone, be focused and then come back and you're done for a couple of years or more or forever. Yeah. But, but I think that they owe it to the families, to be honest, up front from the start, you know, it's nobody's going to listen to them anyway. You know what I mean? As long as you can feel good about telling them, I mean, I went through three different wives and when, when it was me or the unit, me or the unit, I'm like, see ya. <laughs> I worked too hard for this. You know, I'm uh-huh. sorry. You yeah. Know, you dedicated what, everything. Yeah. Guys don't plan ahead. I didn't. I, I thought of the now, my loyalty is to this. I'm loyal, you know, I'm my brothers in arms, but you know what? You can slice out a piece for your family too. And then make that judgment, that middle of the road judgment and decision. I've seen some guys do it. They go to different sections in the unit to where they can stay at home and do other work. And then other guys just go, go, go. And then, you know, you hear, oh, I'm getting a divorce. I'm like, no kidding. Really? <laughs> you know, get, get in, get in line with the rest of us. Yeah. Didn't that used to be a prereq to just attend yeah. selection? Yeah. You to be divorced twice. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I mean, I think that kind of leads to, you know, the video that you did earlier this week, Greg, you know, about guys who do get out, who sometimes struggle with some of the challenges of either the transition, uh, the marriage, maybe a combination of both living life or trying to figure out how they fit in uh, to their environment in this new environment that's much different than what they, you know, have been accustomed to over the last three, four years. And, um, I, you know, I think you had a very powerful video and I don't know if you want to talk about that, but no, I'll definitely talk about that. Like I mentioned to you, you know, we spoke or over Instagram a couple of days ago, like it's been a rough week for me, you know, uh, one of my teammates took his own life on Sunday and this was, I mean, I was deployed with him in 2009 and I know he got out shortly after I did and put all this stuff behind him or so we thought. And on the outside looking in, you know, he opened up a gym and he had some young kids and everything appeared to be good, but obviously it wasn't. And that's kind of what I touched on in that video is we need to, we need to be able to figure out when guys aren't good well before the fact that they're having those, those suicidal thoughts or, or they're just spiraling down that rabbit hole of depression. And, uh, yeah, it's been really interesting. I've gotten so much positive feedback from that because there's a lot more people in that place than we want to admit. Mm-hmm. And I know for me personally, you know, I always joke with people and tell them like being an army ranger is easier than being a stay at home dad because, yeah, you know, in the military, the military is physically demanding. It can be emotionally demanding, but at the end of the day, it's pretty black and white of what's expected of you. These are the standards. If you don't meet the standards, you know what you have to do to get them to the next level. And I know that guys are wired like me. We thrive in that environment because everything is kind of laid out for you. And when you get out into the civilian world and you're raising kids 
and you have a business and like things that there's just a lot of constant change coming up with answers is very difficult. And I remember I got home from Iraq in 2009 and we had our first daughter a couple months later and my wife went back to work and here I was with this newborn baby. That was the hardest challenge I've ever faced in my life. And I know that a lot of veterans that do decide to get out, sure, we miss the brotherhood and sure you're dealing with some of the trauma that you experienced, but you're also dealing with this new world that is actually presenting a lot of difficult scenarios for us to process and decipher. And for me, that led to a lot of issues because I was always a good ranger. I knew how to stay in shape. I knew how to shoot well. And once you stand out amongst your peers in a place like that, it's you start to think like, okay, I, I, I can make shit happen. I, I, I can solve problems and I can do this and I can do that. And then once you get out, you're presented with these different problems that you don't have a solution to. It can be one of the most frustrating things you can deal with. Yeah. I, and I think that's uh, what a lot of guys face is they, they face these types of challenges, but yet they don't know how to get the help. And there's a whole lot of people. And I think we touched on this and I can't remember if it was the after show or during the show about, um, you know, and even organizations out there that talk about, you know, I've got your six, I got your back brother, you know, or Hey, call your, call your battle buddy, uh, or something of that nature. And all that's fine and good. Don't get me wrong. But what we don't do is enough of that to really stay in communication and to really see or seek the signs uh, that are out there or are trained to seek those types of signs that are out there to know what might be actually happening in these individuals' lives to be able to head what you are talking what you're talking about way ahead of time. We're just not trained in that that type of way, you know, to do that. Well, and I, I, I think I think we need sorry I think we need to talk. I would love to talk to the spouses after after these, because you know they don't just wake up and do it. Ninety percent of the time or more, they they there's there's a event, usually a, a family event um, that happens that causes people to do these things. And uh, I would love the honesty to come out from the families and the arguments that happened prior to, so we could look for it and teach other spouses what to think about and consider before you know saying "f you," I'm out of here. I mean, okay, that causes someone to go grab their gun and say, it's over, I've lost everything now, right? Versus uh, considering their verbiage or how they fight. Too much of that happens after a family incident, and I would love to break down and get the statistics of that and the, and the analytics of what went on before suicide. It's just such a touchy subject. I don't, I don't think anybody wants to talk about that and approach it. So what happened? Did you fight, you know, before your husband killed themselves? I mean, were you fighting? Did he do something stupid with the family and then he can't, you know, he can't recover from he thinks, or does it just, did he wake up and, and that was it. There's always something, you know, and you, we say, we'll look for it, but it's those strong, quiet ones that you have to watch out for that don't say a thing. And mm -hmm. then you find out that they're dead. So that's, that's, I wish we could crack that nut somehow. Well, and I think part of cracking that nut is kind of what I touched on in my video is we have to just be open about it. Like there's this stigma attached to it. And I, I, I think we just do that to ourselves because at least for me in my community, both in the military and outside of it, you know, as a fighter and a ranger, like 
a lot of people look to me as like this, a sign of strength. And I was so embarrassed to go to anybody with like that I'm feeling depressed or I'm sad or I don't feel like I'm getting enough love. Like these things that are natural human needs. But for some reason, because we it's like the that's just a macho side of us or an ego thing, it's embarrassing to reach out about that. And I never really opened up about it to the extent that I did last week until I lost a buddy. I mean, think about that. That's what it takes. And that's probably what it takes a lot of guys before they're like, you know what? We need to have this discussion ahead of time. And uh, that's the world. I mean, nobody cares about cancer unless somebody in your family has cancer. Nobody yep. cares about autism unless you know somebody or somebody in your family has autism. And then it's your then it's your primary goal. You know, it's it's for sure. It's a smack in the face for everybody to care. <laughs> and it's sad that you can't care about something that's not really attached to you other than, you know, periphery or someone's helped you or, oh, the military's provided the freedoms that I, you know, it's it's a it's literally a stretch to get people to either donate or help or reach out unless their family's affected. Yeah. In some way, I can agree with that because I think, you know, like you said, with cancer, whatever the case may be, people tend to live within a bubble. They feel sorry for you. They can relate. You know, you get a lot of this, you know, Greg, I'm sorry that you lost a brother or a friend um, and they and they feel, you know, empathy and stuff. But yet the the challenge here is, is that in our own community, are are we doing enough or what is it that we can do? Are we identifying the signs? Are we having some way of trying to figure out ways in which we can find that out. And Tom, you mentioned about that. It's, you know, sometimes it's just silent that, you know, it's uh, these guys are not letting on or letting out the signs. Well then, then how are we supposed to figure that out? I mean, how are we ever going to get to the point where we can help each other out? I can pick up the phone and call you, Tom, in your darkest moment. I might be able to pick up some things and go, wow, Tom just didn't sound as good. But I didn't realize that 30 minutes later something was going to happen. We may have even had a pleasant conversation at that point. Yeah, I have friends that bother me, literally bother me. And I realize that they're checking up on me. You know, how you doing? I'm fine. No, seriously. I mean, what's going on? You know, or your posts seem different or this or that. I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. I, I post that stuff for, for my job, but I'm doing fine. But that used to bother me. And then I realized, oh, they're just digging because they've had friends or they know and, and they're worried about it. it. You can't, you can't, we have to get rid of the stigma that we're all more tough. We're, we're more badass than death or depression, you know? Oh, I'm tough. I don't. I don't get depressed. Or, or people that say things like, "I won't take part in this if there's any women involved." Or, or those those cultural cultural beliefs that we've been ingrained in us in our career. That I'm I'm a badass. I can't reach out. I can't show weakness. Okay, it's not weakness, right? It's a sign of strength to get better. Mm-hmm. You have to be. You have everybody. I don't want to. I'm not vulnerable. I don't want to be vulnerable and say that. Oh well, vulnerability is courage. You have to be vulnerable to do a courageous act. You've got to go out that gate. So, you know, you're being very courageous, but you're also being vulnerable to go do a mission. So to say, I'm not vulnerable. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to admit, um, that I'm affected because it's weak. Well, especially for the ones that get out. I mean, when you're out all that anger that you used in combat, you don't need it anymore at home. And the family doesn't appreciate it. You know, you can be more open and more vulnerable and, and you, it's a process, but those, People that won't reach out are afraid that it's a sign of weakness. So we just have to, as leaders, jump up and down and say, this is me. I have issues. I'm working on them, but I'll, I'll work on them with you. 
and it's okay. And it screwed me up and I've lost all my wives to it. My son doesn't know me anymore. Won't even talk to me hardly, but I'm, I'm working on getting better. I'm not going to live in the past because I can't change it. I'm not going to dream about the future because I can't do anything in the future unless I work right now in the present that will affect the future, but nothing affects the past. So get out of it. And I'm not saying man up, toughen up and forget about it because that's not going to happen. I'm saying work with it, you know, work with your past, admit it, accept it and stop telling me how big of a badass you are. I'm a badass. I did badass shit. I don't do it anymore. And if I had to go out and run with some kids, it'd smoke my ass, you know, and I'd probably throw up, but I have that knowledge in my head and I could pass it along on how to stay healthy or get healthy. And, and oh, by the way, here's how I screwed up. You know, you're probably not going to listen to me, but if you find yourself down the road feeling this way, hopefully you recall this moment, you know, and you'll have something to lean on. Yeah. For me, I think, uh, you know, that was the whole point of my video because checking in on guys and seeing if they're okay, it's only going to work if they're willing to allow it to work, if they're willing to accept that help. And with all the negative stigma, like, and I was the same as Tom, like, Hey, are you good? And yeah, I got this. Like, of course I'm good. What are you talking about? Like, you just want to downplay everything because, you know, our, our entire military career, we're supposed to have this tough image and, and we're supposed to exude strength. But unless you're willing to show vulnerability, there's no way to dig out of that hole. And, and obviously everybody's situation is a little bit different, but for me, it was a slow progression, you know, like I got out and I was raising my daughter and, you know, we went through some different, we went through some difficult times with our marriage. We went through some difficult times financially and everything just started to compound and kind of chip away at me. And, you know, after months and months of that, before you know it, you're like, I used to be really good at taking care of what I need to take care of. And now here I am, everything's falling apart. I don't have the answers anymore. I'm not the man anymore. And you start just feeling depressed. You start feeling like you don't have the same kind of worth you used to have. And before you know it, you're looking for an exit strategy. And I can only speak for my own experience, but I would Actually, guess. Actually, you, you just spoke for everyone's experience to include John Rambo in first blood uh-huh what was what you just said not line for line but what did he scream out i used to be in charge of six million dollars of equipment now i can't even hold down a freaking job at a car wash he had no idea what to do or what he was doing and that right there was post-traumatic stress back in the day in movies and we didn't even know what it was i mean we yep. knew we didn't talk we didn't it was called something else whatever but i mean it's the same story on repeat every day when i pick up the phone why am i always angry you know, financial, financially, we're not set. Who is really these days? I mean, especially if you're coming out of the military right away, you're going to have trouble with your family. It's going to be hard on you. And you're going to reminisce about the days you used to command people to go do stuff or privates and everybody runs around and you had responsibility. And now you're just trying to change a dirty diaper and mow the yard and, and shit's falling behind and you feel like crap about it. And it's, it's since the dawn of time, you're, you're literally speaking for everyone. And that's what I wish, wish people would listen is that you're not different and you're not alone. Mm -hmm. You know, you watch people post things like, please stay away from me. If you see me, I'm not who I was. Well, fucking change it. Yeah. Do no, something to change it. You, t you, you went from a civilian snot-nosed kid to a commando. 
because somebody trained you and showed you what to do. It's the same thing in the other direction. Stop posting shit about how I can't do anything. Stay away from me, you know, because I'm not the man I was. I'm like, oh, dear God, unfriend. He doesn't want help. He wants he wants to tell his story, you know, and have people hear it. But by the way, the same guy was saying he was in a unit to some other people. And of course, I dug and he wasn't. But (laughs) that's a that's that's neither here nor there. That just goes to a state of mind. The guy needs help, but he's not going to help himself. He wants other people to feel sorry for him. Um, Yeah. As opposed to fall your ass and go do the work. It takes work. Little steps lead to bigger steps, but you'll get there. If you just sit and bitch and complain and say, I'm okay, I'm fine, but me and my wife fight and my kids don't like me and I don't know what to do and I hate people. Well, you're right. There is nothing left, you know? Yeah. So you're telling yourself your thoughts become your words, become your actions, and then people don't, don't, don't consider that when they're thinking, you know, I used to do this. Oh, man, I can't blah, blah, blah. And then... You know, then they start verbalizing it, and next thing you know, they they, they take action, and, uh, and they're just depressed and, and down on themselves. And the only way out is to not exist. And I think if you wait until, because again, for me, it was a slow progression. If you wait until you're at the place where you feel like you're a burden, where you feel like you're bringing people down, if you wait to reach out or to accept help until you're at that point, good luck, because once you're there. You already feel like you're a burden. You're not going to reach out and try and have people help you and and go through these, walk through these problems with you. That was the whole point of my video is like during this transition, as soon as things aren't good, as soon as you're facing these, these struggles that are foreign to you, that's when it's time to reach out to people and be like, hey, what do you think of this or, or help me walk through that and not allow us to just snowball to a point where you actually feel like you're just in absolute despair and there's no way out. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, just like you said earlier about the military was easy. There's a manual, there's your buddy that can show you something. You can watch somebody do it and then you learn it. Next thing you're doing it and you're showing somebody else and then you get out. There's really no manual on the family and that's ever changing. That's a con that's a constant battlefield right there. Cause the enemy is always changing and shifting on you. You know, your kids are the enemy, your wife's the enemy. You're like, Oh, what's going on? I gotta, I gotta keep up with all this shit. And I can't, and you're like, Oh, I don't, where's the manual. You know, it's like, but when we all go home, whether you're a private or a general, when you all go home, we're all just spouses. Yeah. All we're all the same at home dealing with the same crap that we don't have a manual for. Yeah. But there's there's still people out there you can talk to about it. I think uh, you also touched on something else there, Greg, and that is that people have to recognize that they need the help. I've known people that I've spoke with that um, are having challenges, and yet I've tried to help them as much as I can. But at some point, they have to recognize. They say it. They say that, you know, hey, listen, you know, I, I know that I'm having these types of challenges. I'd love to, you know, uh, I'm working on it and those types of things. But yet they're they're still not taking the execution. They're not following through. They're not making sure that they're doing their part in achieving those results or finding some kind of results. I don't know what they're looking for. A magic pill? It doesn't exist. Some, there's, there's not one of those that's out there. My take on that, my take, and that's me just thinking, is... Step one, identifying I have a problem. And that right now, it's starting to ramp up. People, oh, yeah, I have PTS. Oh, yeah, I have PTS. Oh, I have PTS, too. So now the Me Too movement, right? Everyone's got PTS. But what are you doing about it? That's another step. What are you doing about it? Right. Thanks for identifying it. Now you know it. What are you doing about it? 
well, I tried a doctor. Oh, did you once? That's cool. You know, I tried a hundred doctors before I found a couple good ones that helped, you know, or did you, oh, I tried this modality or that and it didn't work. So I, oh, you quit, you know, or your therapist wasn't really working out for you. I went through five or 10 of those too. You know, you, it's, it's work, it's effort. And it depends on, do you want to get better or do you want to identify as the person with PTS for the rest of your life, wearing your field jacket, living under the bridge with a long hair and a beard, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, you can go down that path and join that crew of people, of miserable people that are never happy. Or you can put in the work. Well, I also think it's important for us to, the guys like us that have been through it before, to just be a voice and educate people. Because I know for me personally, the first time I went down that path, being a slow progression, I didn't think that it would take me to the point to where I was looking down the barrel of my Glock. Like, I would have never guessed that it would have just continued to suck me down until I was at that point. So these guys that get out and, you know, maybe maybe a little, you know, they're having some problems with their relationship or their new career is not working out for them and they're starting to struggle, they might not even recognize that this is stage one. Mm. And... Maybe the mil—I don't know if the military is not doing a good job when guys ETS. You know, me and Rob talked about it last time. I got home from Afghanistan and I was ETS like in under a month. You know, later. Just, yeah, turn later. your gear in. Uh, go to go to Matt again and, and get your medical records and see ya. You know, and I I've heard they're doing better now. I hope they are. But that needs to be part of the part of the process. Is like, hey, these are the earliest signs that you may be struggling you may have issues that need to be dealt with because if you don't recognize that and you don't get the help before you know it you're you're just overcome by this darkness and it's at that point in time it's exponentially harder to dig your way out it's like a recall on a vehicle hey Mm -hmm. your your brakes don't work bring your vehicle in oh yeah in the trash maybe you know maybe not brakes but some electrical thing in your car whatever okay there's a problem I still have to go get it fixed, you know? Yeah. People people don't take their step because life excuses, you know, I'll work out tomorrow or I'll start dieting tomorrow or, I'll, you know, tomorrow's that perfect day for everybody to not do shit, you know? Because we're and, trained to assess the situation and de- develop a priority. And that's not a priority. Hell, I, I'm in that situation right now. So I chuckle because when you said that, I actually have a car that has a recall <laughs> at this moment. <laughs> I have two. <laughs> okay. I don't feel so bad then. <laughs> uh, I think I sold one of them. I got a Jeep recently. But the other one, is, there's something wrong with it. I don't know what it is. An airbag. I don't know. But, you know, yeah. you still got to take the steps. Yeah, I think that's what I was talking about, too, is that there's a lot of people that kind of want to live. I don't know if they're wanting to live in that misery or what, but I'm trying to help them. And yet they don't seem like they really want to get the help. So I only throw that out there because there may be other individuals that are very much like me, where they see the signs, they recognize them. They clearly want to help that friend get past that stage, Greg, that you're kind of talking about or never reach that darkness that they know is coming. And Tom, you and I, we know some people that are really in that dark and i know greg probably you are do as well but we recently talked about some of these folks and and trying to help them see themselves well and something else that i've seen in myself and this is this is a crazy perspective but once you've been like really depressed or you've been really dark and you get out of that 
it's like you can breathe again. It's this breath of fresh air. And it's like, oh, okay. Oh, I, th- I think I'm good. And it's it, that in itself is such a rewarding feeling that I know for me, if I didn't feel depressed for long periods of time, I would almost crave it. And it's, yeah. it's this weird cycle where you feel like shit and then you dig your way out and you feel amazing. And then you feel like shit and you dig your way out and you feel amazing. And then life starts to kind of go okay. And it's like, wait a minute. No, no, no. I want to have these ups and downs again. Like there, there's a part of you that almost wants to go back there. And it's it's a self-destructive mentality, but it's almost like you get addicted to these weird cycles in your own mind. Mm. It's it's like identity mixed with muscle memory. You know, the the more you do something, the more you're going to do it. You know, and the more you're in a cycle, the more you're going to stay in a cycle. The more you're angry, the more you'll stay angry. And I literally had to go through a process of when I would start to think something dark or horrible or start to get upset, either at my family or someone driving down the road to cut me off and I wanted to drive them behind them and murder them. I, <laughs> I have to tell myself a different story. I have to rewrite that pathway, think something different to to the point of even if I'm arguing with my, my wife, I'm. I would stop and start cracking jokes up until the point where she'd get mad at me. But once I explained that I'm trying to rewrite the pathway, I'm trying to break the cycle and go to something funny to change it immediately. Then she was like, oh, that makes sense. So you have to kind of share that with your spouse that you're going to, in the middle of an argument, you're going to start saying stupid stuff to try to break the tension. But that changes that muscle memory. That, That rewrites a whole pathway. It literally rewrites a pathway in your brain to where... It's always taking the, the double wide bridge, you know, and all of a sudden you just took a covered single lane bridge over here and it's new. And the more you take it, the more it'll build on that. And then you'll go that way next time instead of the angry path. So it's yeah. effort, just like learning to shoot over and over again, just like learning navigation or anything you learn. You did it repeatedly. You got better at it. If you did it once, he's like, I'm a professional shooter. You wear that, you wear that badge, you know, and. <laughs> And then you're a professional shooter the rest of your life, but you never pick up a weapon again. It's uh, you have to keep on it to create that memory, and you got to get rid of that identity. And it, you know what? It's cool to have empathy. It's cool to be nice to people. You know, I, when I got out, I was grumpy to everybody because I was waiting to be attacked or waiting to have somebody say something mean to me or put me down. Or I was defensive. Uh-huh. I was a, I, I was a dick to everybody. So. I had to change that to where the point where people noticed, like, what's wrong with you? You know, you're, you're nice. You're saying funny things. I'm like, I know. Right. That's my hippie wife. She's she's hooking me up with that shit. But literally, I got put down for changing who I was because it was weird. Yeah. Because they weren't used to it. No, it's funny you say that because that's another thing that I talk to a lot of people about. Like, you know, like I have to sit in the corner of the restaurant and, and I'll, I'll wait until that booth opens up or I'm not eating there. It's like you have to weigh probability versus possibility, right? Like you're right. You could sit in a bad seat and an active shooter could come in and kill everybody. But are you not going to live your life because of the possibility of something like that happening? No. Now that we're in the civilian world, we have to operate in probability. Mm. And I, I know guys that won't use a urinal because they're given their backup. They're like, I, I, I can't see my six, you know? And it's like, if that's the world that you want to continue to live in, then there's no way you're going to dig out of that hole. You yeah. know, we were talking about that's that, that identity. Yeah. 
about yeah. assimilation. You know, a lot of these guys don't come back and assimilate back into the private sector in the right way. They don't realize that, like, exactly what we're talking about. You're no longer, if you're in, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, St. Louis, or whatever, the odds of, you know, there being a terrorist threat happening in a restaurant, an Italian restaurant in your podunk neighborhood or whatever, is I, I I know that there are a lot of people out there that try to paint a picture that we always have to have our head on a swivel and stuff like that. I'm, you know, I'm not not going against any of those folks, but what I am trying to say is the reality is that the odds you're probably more likely to get struck by lightning twice or win the lottery. Yeah, I, I like that probability. I like that. I like what you said there with that. Um, I, I did that for a bit, and then it, it was almost an era where it was cool to do that. I go, yeah, I, I do this. And then it's like, okay, I'm no longer the guardian. What am I going to pick up a bottle and throw it? I mean, the dude comes in with a gun. I'm going to do what everyone else does because I don't have a gun. I'm a duck or some shit. I'm not going to be that hero. Yeah. I mean, I uh-huh. might be. I don't know, but I'm not going to spend my days planning out how I'm going to disarm some guy who, who's nut job that comes into a, uh, you know, a restaurant or grocery store. It, and, and the guys that get out like, I'm civilian pukes, blah, blah. I hate civilians. Uh, guess what? You're a freaking civilian, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Without a job or with a job, you're a civilian. Either way, that's in the past. It's what you did. It's it's not your identity. I I, I used to. Hey, what do you do? Well, I was retired. I'm, reti- I'm retired. You know, I was in the army twenty. But no, what do you do? Uh huh. That's what yeah. I did. I'm like, oh no shit. What do I do? Well, I tell people I was in the army. Um, other than that, hell, I don't know yet. It's like, what do you do now? Live in the now. Now yep. is not your job. There's police officers out there. Well, I can't trust them. All right, well, then maybe you should go be a cop and, and teach them how to be better or or just freaking enjoy the freedoms and relax like everyone else does around the world that you provided those freedoms to. Now let the military provide those for you. Yep. And just relax. I mean, good God, I'm going to retire and go fishing and blah, blah, blah. Or I'm going to retire and buy some land in Montana and clear out a killing field because I hate everybody. <laughs> yeah, you and your problems pack up and move to Montana then, okay? And, and live yeah. out there by yourself, and you'll end up probably killing yourself in another year because Montana has the highest suicide rate anyway. <laughs> um, it, it, wherever you go, you're taking your problems with you. It's not the people. It's you yeah. and your thoughts. It's you and your thoughts. So stop chasing that. They get off a grid, and then they, they can't, people can't communicate with them anyway. Nope. <laughs> uh-huh. And there's like one therapist for, well, in all of Montana. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's a line. You know, last time when I was talking to Rob, we talked about how I ended up finding a therapist just by chance because the VA, I had an eye injury and the VA told me, we're going to do a full screening of you, mental and physical. And uh, I ended up finding a therapist that I really liked. And at first I was like, I don't, I don't need to go to therapy. That's stupid, you know? And sat down and talked with her, and it was incredibly healing. But it's funny. One of the things she asked me, what, what we were just talking about, she goes, do you carry a gun everywhere you go? I said, well, yeah, of course of course I do. What kind of a question is that? You know? And she goes, okay, the next time you come to therapy, I want you to leave your gun at home. Because <laughs> I'm and, not going to hurt you. I and, see how, yeah, and see how it feels just driving here without a gun. Oh and uh, You probably went in full anxiety mode. Well, this is the funny thing about this. I'm at a stoplight. I don't a grenade. I, <laughs> I, left my, I left my Glock at home. And I see a carjacking taking oh, place. Oh, shit. <laughs> right that next ru- to me. That ruins it. That ruins it. And this guy is like <laughs> yanking on this car door. And this lady's pulling it back shut. And then she guns it. 
and flies through a red light intersection to get away from this guy. And then he looks at me because I was the next car over to the right. (laughs) And he looks at me and I'm looking at him and I was like, of course, of course, this is when this happens, right? It's just proved why I carry a gun all (laughs) the time. And and we made eye contact and then he went the other way. And it was funny because then I was in her office 10 minutes later telling her this story and she just laughed. She's like, well, that is not how this was supposed to play out this you know she's normal <laughs> <laughs> okay you got but, struck by lightning twice right in there. Yeah, exactly. sorry sorry yeah but you well, know there I, are that's those something people. i still you know like i i'm a police officer now so i still want to be able to be the guy to provide protection or solve a problem if something presents itself but at the same time you know you're not on a combat op 24 7 when i'm with my kids getting ice cream I don't have to be, you know, doing a, a route recce and, a, and an advance on the location. And, and guys just take it to that next level. Like everything is a combat op in Fallujah still, you know? So, yeah. And I it's, feel like it's not, man. I mean, I, I look at him, I go, it's not. It's really not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the war is in your head now, you know? I mean, it's funny that you said you're a cop now. And I, I tell cops, they're like, well, my, my PTS is not like yours. I'm like, why is that? Well, I didn't do the things you did. I go, I don't live in my combat zone. I don't go do a hit and then drive back and forth past it every day with my kids and could point it out if I wanted to, you know? Uh-huh. I go, you guys have a different, it's the same, but it's a different, it's just a different story how you're getting it. But you live in the combat zone as a law enforcement officer. You, know, you literally live in it and operate in it your entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a weird place, man, because, you know, with all the stuff with law enforcement lately, yeah. just walking around in uniform is like, Ugh, you know, just all the you you just feel people's energy looking at you. I can't wait to take that thing off at the end of the day, you know. But that's a whole nother topic. We could save that for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's uh, it, I think what we're talking about here, though, it kind of goes back to the, the original conversation or, you know, around if you're starting to feel these things, you're starting to feel high anxiety, you're starting to feel like you're not in a comfort zone, you're starting to feel like you're getting depressed or that you're heading to a dark spot. If your family members are starting to point some things out to you about how you can't go into a restaurant and sit and have a conversation because you're constantly with your back against the wall and scoping out everybody that's walking here or there. Um, if you're, you know, any of these types of signs that we're talking about, these are triggers. These are things that you're now starting, red flags, I should say, that, that you should be paying attention to that are really important because it's a slippery slope at this point. You, yep. could, you could certainly start heading down the wrong path rather quickly. I mean, let's face it, there are a lot of folks that do that. I know that don't even go to, you know, we got a little bit of uh, everyday carry, but there are people that don't even go to certain states. They won't go to certain restaurants. They won't go to certain stores. They won't go to certain places because they're not allowed to carry their weapon. And so they're so concerned about that. Yeah. No, there's a lot of people like, oh, Starbucks doesn't want me to bring my gun in there. I'll never go there. It's like, well, that's their comp. That's their business. They can request whatever they want of you it's america it's america right (laughs) yeah exactly fought for the freedoms to do what you wanted as an individual hopefully as long as it's legal moral and ethical and doesn't infringe on someone else's ability to live the same way exactly right but other than that if you want to burn a flag burn the damn flag because i fought for your right to do that right do i agree with it no am i going to freak out and throw a protest when you do and, and cause a fight you know, those are the extremes that people go to. You can't even 
I won't talk politics to anybody. Because no, me neither. You're either crazy or you're crazy. It just depends on what crazy you are. It's like, what happened to common decency? Just getting along. And by the way, oh, so-and-so won the election. And in four years, you can vote again. It's not like he's in forever. You know, whoever it or is. She. He or she. So it's, it just doesn't matter. And people are like, oh, my God, this president got elected. I'm like, your life will not change one bit. Yeah. Come talk to me in two years and tell me how horrible <laughs> your life is now. You know, uh, I don't really notice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I was counting, I think, and, and I'm going to make myself sound really old. And guys, I'm really not. I know people listen to this thing and I get picked on all the time. But the, I, I sat down one day and I was thinking all the way back to the date in which I was born. And we could probably all do this. And certainly, Tom, you and I are going to have a longer period of experiences. But how many presidents have we gone through in our lifetime? Oh, God. So just, and each one was each one was the end of time. Right. right. Each, each one was the end of time. So, uh, you know, again, I think when when people start focusing to the media and the media, you know, controls everything about you or if they start doing all those types of things that um, cause you to get depressed, cause you to get angry, cause you to start having anxiety, cause you to then then you guys are, are letting the outside noise affect your brain, affect your you know, the things that are going on and, and those little triggers, um, then start messing up different physiological, uh, aspects of your body, the chemical imbalances, uh, the things that cause further, uh, issues and stuff. It could be, um, some kind of simple imbalance of not proper diet, exercising, whatever the case that then further compounds it. So you've got to be able to listen to these kind of podcasts or whatever the case may be to recognize those types of triggers, those types of things that are going on within you to pull yourself out of it. Yep. And this is another thing I talk to my friends about. This isn't necessarily a veteran thing. This is an everybody thing. Like if you can't affect something or influence it, it shouldn't be, you shouldn't be giving energy to it. Right. You know, and, and in politics, and, and, and this is a big life lesson for me watching my father pass. Like, I, I swear, the last 10 years of his life, Fox News was on 12 hours a day in his house. Yeah. You know, Hillary, Hillary Clinton did this and and like, you know, just the liberal media said that. And it's like it's a Fox News alert. <laughs> and the thing Fox is, News alert. The cat he, walked across the street. <laughs> Everything's an he alert. was consumed by that stuff for a decade and then he died. And it's like, what good did it do you? Absolutely nothing. And so I stopped voting. I stopped watching the news. Yep. And it's like, I enjoy martial arts. I enjoy hiking. I enjoy my kids. I'm going to put my energy into the things that matter to me. And I think that's a, a you know, I, I had to see my dad go through it and ultimately pass being disgruntled and miserable. And that for me is what made me say, you know what? I'm not going to go down that path. But it's so easy for people to get sucked into these things because, like, we all want to be part of a team, right? Like, oh, yeah, I'm over here and, and I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat or – and it's like, you know what? I'm just I'm just trying to be me. That's all I care about at this point. And I'm going to put my energy into the things that I can get enjoyment out of. Too, too often, too many people are putting emphasis in the wrong location. So, again, stop, think, look around. See if you're putting yourself in a, a situation that's not good. Um, and if you're also influencing perhaps other people, 
that are following you or paying attention to you, and it could be not even on social media, but just your your center of influence around you, where you're casting your shadow, what kind of shadow are you casting? You know, what are you what are you doing out there to help other people, um, even by you know you through your actions or your words? But I just turned it all off. I don't need to hear about the Fox News alerts or CNN, this and that. They're all just trashing the other news stations anyway for ratings. It's so funny because yeah. I'm in the same boat, you guys. I don't, I don't watch the news. I haven't watched the news in years, and my life has been all the better. Yeah, I don't know what's blown up lately, and who's because you know what it comes and goes. This is a big ass planet, and if people would stop and think that they occupy a half of a square foot on, I don't know how many square feet are on this planet. I'm gonna Google it. I keep talking about it. <laughs> You occupy about a half a square foot imprint when you're standing there. You don't affect shit. You literally don't affect shit. Uh-huh. When you die, when you die, you're going to rot and go away, and this planet's going to gobble you up and go on without you. And, you know, 9-11, never forget, never forget. Kids don't even know about it. They don't even know we're at war. You forget because it's not part of your life. And I'm glad people forget. I mean, yeah. I'm glad they move on and honor, but move on, you know? Well, the crazy thing is, too, is like now that the world is so connected, it's like yeah. if there's a, if, if something bad happens anywhere on planet Earth, it's on your phone and you're looking at it and it's doomsday. You know, oh, it's horrible. But, but since the beginning of time, you know, some it's guy ran happening. around. Yeah, exactly. We were just removed from it, which is probably yeah. a good thing, right? You know, we, with with social media and the news, we don't hear half the shit that goes on around the world. That if you heard of all the murders and here and there, you know, it would be it would never stop. It's always gone on like that. You just didn't hear about it because you didn't know what went on halfway around the world. Except for six months later, somebody might take a boat over, jump on a horse, and ride over and tell you about it. <laughs> tell you a story. But, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, you even think about the period of time like the Cuban Missile Crisis, where you know everybody thought you know that we're paying attention at least that we were going to be going to war, but there are probably more people that heard about that afterwards. Yeah, I remember my parents talking about that forever growing up. But they I mean, probably didn't remember it at the exact moment, did they? No, it happened in '62. You <laughs> know, still so talking about it. They were talking about it like we almost went to war, you know, and I'm like, huh, what? <laughs> yeah, no, everybody loves a story. And they'd love to be connected with death somehow. I yeah. was standing there just yesterday when that tree fell. I'd have been dead if I was still standing there. Well, yeah, yeah. Good, good connection, you know? <laughs> what's, what's those uh, T-shirts? But did you die? But did you die? <laughs> right. Right, exactly. 